morning, everyone. If you'll please stand with us.
Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church, where if you're sitting in the same place you were last week, you did not listen to me, right? Uh, actually, I forgot this morning until somebody mentioned they were sitting somewhere different. So I moved to this side, and it feels really, really weird. I just got to be honest. Um, but good morning. We're glad that you're here to worship with us. Take a moment. Welcome those around you this morning. All right, you may return to your seats, and hopefully you don't get lost if you're in a different place. All right, you may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here with us today. I know we have some visitors with us. Uh, we're honored that you would come worship with us today. We want you to know uh, that, that we want to know that you're here. If this is your first time, several ways you can do that. There's a place in the bulletin that you can just scan uh, fill out some information about yourself online. There's a connection card. Hopefully in the pew, there are some out there at the welcome desk. Uh, if you will just fill that out and you can return it to the ladies at the welcome desk, we would uh, greatly appreciate that. I want to draw your attention just to a couple of announcements. Uh, our fall festival is next Sunday night uh, at 530. Um, there's information. Some of you, your bulletin has an insert. If not, there's some papers out there. If you didn't get one in Sunday school, has all the details on it. We still need help, so if you want to serve, please see Rachel and let her know. Also, there's an announcement about our Thanksgiving meal in there. You want to put that on your calendar. That's always a great time uh, of, as fellowship um, together. And so just want you to be aware of that. Our praying the scripture this morning is Psalm 22, um, verse 28. Uh, before we read that, let me just give you an update on Curtis and Ann. Curtis uh, is home. Uh, got to come home yesterday. So praise the Lord for that. Um, doing, doing well, healing up, and it's, uh, I know it's just got to be good to be able to be home. So just continue to pray for them. We miss them uh, dearly, um, and just continue just to lift them up in prayers. And if we find of different ways that we can help them going forward, uh, we'll be sure to pass that on. Uh, but just, uh, it, is, it is Staff Appreciation Month, and so... If you'll just let somehow, some way, let Curtis and Ann, whether it's a card in the mail, uh, a phone call, just let them know how much you appreciate them and their faithful ministry here to Northside. 
uh, over the years. So our scripture, Psalm 22, uh, verse 28, it'll be on the screen. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song, King of Kings. And so I just want to ask you to take your hearts and your minds and just direct them for a moment in prayer, focusing upon the fact that our God is king and he rules over the nations. Anybody thankful for that this morning? That God rules over the nations. Even though things are chaotic and crazy, God is still on the throne and he is still ruling. And so would you just be reminded of that this morning? Take a moment and pray and then I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you for the joy and the privilege it is today to gather with our family, brothers and sisters in Christ, to lift up our hallelujahs, to lift up our praise, to be reminded that you are King of kings, to be reminded that you are the cornerstone, that our life life is to be built upon you. Lord, to to be able to open your word, the scriptures, and God, to sit hear the preaching, the teaching of your word this morning. Father, every one of us coming this morning, our hearts being pulled in different directions, things going on in our life. So Lord, would you just remind us today that you are on the throne, that you are King of kings, Lord of lords, that you can be trusted. God, as we're going to see in the message, because you are king and because we are citizens of the kingdom of God, then Lord, our life ought to look different. And so if, Jesus, we are not letting you be king in our life right now, if we're not letting you rule, if we instead are doing things the way we want our own way, rather than submitting to you, God, would you just convict us of that this morning, we pray. Father, continue to be glorified in our, in our praise and worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together some more. darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three and one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, 
You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake you died. Christ alone. 
darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the Jesus, the more I love him, 
about Calvary, the more I thank him. What he does, what he gives, how he loves and who he is. The more I know about Jesus, the more I know about Jesus, the more I know about Jesus, the more I love him. Jesus, what I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness and more of his love who
guys can go down. You don't have to wait on me. Go ahead. All right. At this point, our kids are going to make their way uh, to Children's Church. So you all can go out the back doors while the choir comes down. Let me also mention, hopefully you saw it in the bulletin, about Operation Christmas Child. Uh, not only are we asking you to pack boxes, we, we have 200 boxes uh, that we, we have, so I'd love for you to be able to pack every single one of the 200 boxes that we, uh, that we ordered, and so hopefully you'll grab those. You have till, when was it? When did they have to be back? I don't have my bulletin. November 28th. Thank you, Miss Emma. November 28th. So if you'll return those by November 28th, we also have an opportunity for you once again to be able to go um, and to serve at the warehouse and to pack those boxes. It's a lot of fun. So there's a QR code. If you just scan that QR code with your phone, it'll take you to uh, a web page where it'll list all the information. And from there, you can pick the different dates that you want to volunteer for. Uh, it's a lot of fun if you have not done that uh, before. Highly recommend that. So every year around this time, Southern Baptists are asked to submit the ACP, the Annual Church Profile. Ms. Barbara does that for us every year. She does a phenomenal job with that. And so in, in doing that, it, it, it allows Southern Baptists to kind of look at, all right, where are we? How many people in America identify as Southern Baptists? Um, and so in 2020 is when the most recent one, the results were able to be uh, put together, they found that there are about 14 million people in America who identify as Southern Baptists. 14 million, or 14 member who, people who are members of a Southern Baptist church. Um, average weekly worship attendance, this is what they found in 2020, declined by 15.44%. You think, okay, well, that's not surprising. It was in the midst of COVID, church attendance went down. It decreased to 4.4 million people attend worship average on a weekly basis. 14 million Southern Baptists, 4.4 of those attend church weekly. That is 31.4%. You say, well, it was COVID year, so let's add in that decrease. We're still under 50% of people who are a member of Southern Baptist Church, to be a member of a church, you got to believe in Jesus, so you have a relationship with Jesus, follow Him in baptism, less than 50% of folks attend a church regularly. There's a lot of reasons as to why that is. We're not going to get into that this morning. But what we are going to talk about is the importance of gathering together. The importance of that. And so what I want to do first to kind of go over Ephesians chapter 2 again is I want us to think about what have we been saved from, how have we been saved, and this morning I want to ask the question, what have we been saved to, or for what? So just a quick recap if you haven't been with us. In Ephesians chapter 2, what have we been saved from? Well, Paul says we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were enslaved to the flesh, to the world, to Satan. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He goes on to tell us that we were without hope and without God. That's who we were. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are children of wrath and we are going to hell. That's who we are apart from Christ. Now, we have been saved by what? Well, Paul is clear in Ephesians 2. We have been saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. 
Right? We once were far off. We have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus. This is who we now are. We have been saved by faith in Christ. But saved for what? A lot of times we focus on what we've been saved from and how we were saved, faith in Jesus. But now what? Now, well, last week we saw that what God is doing is He's taking two people, Jews and Gentiles, enemies, and He's bringing them together in one place called the church. And we saw that Jesus has torn down that dividing wall of hostility. And so people are saved and they become part of the church. And Paul expands upon that in our verses this morning. And I want you to notice three metaphors that Paul uses in verses 19 through 22. And as we look at it this morning, I want us to see what we have been saved for. But would you please stand, if you have the copy of God's Word, please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word before we dive in. Beginning in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Father God, will you speak this morning as we stand upon Christ the cornerstone? As we stand upon the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, as as we stand upon the word of God. Spirit, as you indwell us this morning, as you are here in this place because your people have gathered, oh God, speak. Speak, we pray. We ask. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. First metaphor or description that Paul gives when we think about, okay, now what? Who are we now? Number one, we are God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Here's the metaphor he gives. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens with the saints. Paul in chapter 2 multiple times has said, you are but now. You were but now. He does it again here in verse 19. He says, so you are no longer Well, if you are no longer, then what that means is at some point you were. So what were we, according to Paul? We were strangers and aliens or foreigners. Have you ever been a stranger at a strange location, in a place where you just felt like, I don't belong, I don't know anybody, just a stranger? Have you ever been a foreigner? A foreigner or an alien, that Greek word simply means you're a sojourner in a country that is not your home. Have you ever gone to another country? You quickly realize once you're there that you are ignorant of the language, you are ignorant of the customs, you are ignorant of their ways. You realize you lack certain rights, certain privileges, certain protections because you are not a citizen of that country. When I went to Japan, I was there 10 days. This probably was not the wisest thing to do because I could have lost it, but I kept my passport on me at all times, around my neck. Why? Because I knew I was there only because of a passport. That was it. Japan was not my homeland. I was not a citizen. So I felt like I needed to let people know I'm here because of this passport. I'm here legally, but I'm here temporarily. Right? Paul saying we are no longer strangers, aliens, but rather now through Christ we are fellow citizens. Now listen, let me remind you of this. 
You had Jews, the people of God, Gentiles coming together. And what Paul is saying is, Gentiles, you are not second-class citizens in the church. You are fellow citizens. You belong. You are now part of the kingdom of God. You are no longer outsiders any longer. You have been brought in through Christ. And he says, you are fellow citizens. Church, we, through Christ, are fellow citizens. And when you think about being a citizen, you think of a country. You think of a homeland. In, in many, days, many places, you would think of a king. If there's a kingdom, there is a king ruling over the kingdom. Listen to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. We are dual citizens as a believer. What have you, you've been saved to what? You're dual citizens. You are a citizen of America, but you're also a citizen of the kingdom of God, of heaven. And we are awaiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what you've been saved to. For what purpose? You are now a citizen of God's kingdom, which means you live under the rule and the reign of King Jesus. You live under His rule when you come into His kingdom. And we are to live that out visibly. In your life, it should be visible that God rules over your life. But it also should be evident when we gather visibly that God is ruling over His church at Northside. Amen? That God is the ruler of this place. As citizens of God's kingdom, we have certain privileges, certain rights. So I don't need a passport here in America. You know why? I have a birth certificate. I don't need a passport. I'm a citizen. I have a birth certificate to prove that. And as a citizen of this amazing country, I have rights and privileges and blessings. And Paul's saying to us, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God, and you have certain rights and certain privileges and certain blessings, which he has laid out for us in Ephesians chapter 1. But hear me. Not only do we have rights and privileges, but in the kingdom of God, we are free. Somebody say amen. You are free. But hear me. You are not free to do whatever you want in God's kingdom. You are free, however, to do whatever pleases Him. Which is good news because before we were dead, enslaved to sin, we couldn't do anything for the kingdom of God. Now because He has set us free, we are free to live for Him, to love Him, and to serve Him. This will be on the, the screen. As citizens of God's kingdom, we submit to the rule and reign of Christ in our life. Simply, what does that mean? Well, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, and now you're in the kingdom of God, that means as His citizen, you ought to think differently than people who don't belong to His kingdom. You ought to live differently than people who do not belong to His kingdom. You ought to love differently than people who do not belong to to his kingdom. You see, being a citizen of America is wonderful and great, and it is awesome. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, it is the greatest place on earth to live. But I also believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that being a citizen of God's kingdom is far greater. Why? Because his kingdom will never end. Can we just be honest? If history repeats itself and we live long enough, America will no longer be the superpower one day. History tells you that. Countries rise and they fall. There may be a day, if the Lord tarries, 
that America is no more or not in the way that we understand her to be. But God's kingdom will endure forever. And that's what I'm ultimately a citizen of. So let me ask you this question. How do you treat the kingdom of God? Do you treat the kingdom of God more like a passport? You pop in and out every now and then? Treat it more of a passport? You don't really belong here? You're just here temporarily? Or you're just kind of just going through the motions? You wouldn't consider the kingdom of God to be your home? You've never entered into the kingdom of God? Or is the kingdom of God more like your birth certificate? You belong here because you've been born again. You've been born into the kingdom of God and your life and your testimony is evidence that you have entered into his kingdom. You and I are citizens of God's kingdom. Tony Merida writes this, To ignore this is to live as a refugee away from my country. Look, people willingly leave America to go live and work in other countries. We have missionaries who do this all the time. I admire them for doing that. I don't know too many people who leave this country to go to another country as a refugee. What we do have are millions of people who are wanting to come to this country as refugees because they know there's something special about this country. Why would you want to leave America and go to another country and be just some refugee? A place that is not your home. Why would you want to be part of the kingdom of God and live as a refugee, cut off from His people and from His kingdom? So we've been saved to what? You have been saved to belong, to be part of God's kingdom. But then he gives a second metaphor, and he makes it even more intimate. And he says this, You are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are members of the household of God. He says you are members of the household of God. This metaphor goes from a kingdom and a king to a household and a father. We are not only citizens of God's kingdom, but we have been saved so that we might be sons and daughters of God the Father. The story is told of a king who was holding court in his throne room. His counselors and his noblemen and his advisors, they were all there. Suddenly there was a bang at the door. And some rustling around and all heads turned as they were immediately distracted. Immediately the door burst open and in walked this little kid. One of the royal guards stopped the little boy and said, Here, here now, boy, you, you must leave. You don't want to interrupt the king's business. And that little boy looked at that soldier and said, Listen, he might be your king, but he's my dad. He's my dad. And that boy knew no matter what his dad was doing, that was his dad and he couldn't come in. We go from king language to now we go to he's our father. You are sons and daughters. In love he predestined us for adoption, which means if you are the son of God or the daughter of God, you're not the only one. Just look around this room right now. You have a lot of brothers and sisters in the family of God that you now belong to. But here's the thing. The family of God, right, consists of anyone who has ever given their life to Jesus, past, present, future, any country, any continent. If they've given their life to Jesus, they are part of the universal church. That's millions and millions, maybe billions of people who will be in heaven one day. How in the world do we possibly love on a family that big? So here's what God does. In the New Testament, over and over and over, we see the family of God lived out visibly 
in local gatherings of people that are called the church, like Northside Baptist Church. And some of those families may consist of 10 people. Some of those families, maybe 100 people, some families, even 1,000 people and up. I don't know how they can love on that many people, but they're trying, right? But you have the family of God, these local churches. So we are part of the family of God, and we live it out visibly. We are a family, and we live together on mission. So what has God, God called you to and saved you to? He has saved you to be part of a family, the church. So here's the question. What kind of family member do you want to be? What kind of family member in the family of God do you want to be? Now look, my, my goal this morning is not to convict you or beat up on you or beat up on anybody who's watching online. My, my goal this morning is simply to preach the scriptures, and if you're not living out the scriptures, then the Spirit of God will convict you and you will repent of that. So what kind of family member do you want to be? Because the reality is we got a lot of family members in the church who are kind of like our long-lost uncle or long-lost cousin. We see maybe at Christmas once a year. Maybe we'll see them every five years. No communication, never hear from them. They just pop in every now and then. And, oh, there's my uncle. There's my cousin. There they, I haven't talked to him in five years. There they are, just cut off from the family. If there are 14 million Southern Baptists in America and only on average 4.4 million attend church on a weekly basis, we got a lot of long lost uncles and cousins who are completely cut off from the family. Is, is that what God has saved us for and called us to? Just to, just to be distant from the family, from the body of Christ? I, I don't believe so. And so if that's you, you're just sporadic, or you're watching online and, and you just, you're not a part of a church. Right? That's, that's not who God has saved us to be. Now look, here's the reality. Some of you, you're not even part of the family. You're an orphan because you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Like you can't enter into the family of God because you're not part of the family. You need to repent and believe in Jesus. And then some people, no one in this room, I'm quite sure, some Christians are like our crazy at that crazy family member. Right now, you're thinking of that family member and your family who's crazy. Like, you know when they show up for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, you see them walk in, you see them sit down, and you're just standing and you're just waiting. It's just a matter of time before crazy comes out, right? just a matter of time before, before they say something to stir the pot, before they intentionally take a dig or a shot to anger somebody, right? You're working, you're helping, you're loving on the family, and they're over there complaining because the mashed potatoes aren't hot enough or it's too cold in the house, and all they do is complain. All they do, it's, it's, it's so hard because they just make it all about them. Can we be honest? Churches are filled with people like that. People who walk in week after week, they may be faithful people, but when they walk in, they bought into this mentality of, I'm here to be entertained. Entertain me. Serve me. But hear me. If I am not entertained, you'll be getting a letter. If I'm not entertained, I'm going to go on Facebook and talk bad about you and bad about the family. If you don't serve me, just make it clear, I'm going to let everybody know that you're not taking care of me. We don't, we don't want to be 
that family member that when we walk in the room, everybody's like, oh, no, so-and-so just got here. Like, you don't want to be high maintenance. We don't want to be like that. What do we want to be like? Man, we want to be like that steadfast grandmother or that steadfast grandfather that you know year after year they're there. You're always welcome in their house. They love on you. They care about you. They're there to encourage you. They're there to build you up. Right? That's what we are to be. We are to be people, brothers and sisters in Christ, that when we walk in this room, we understand this is family. This matters to me. This is part of my life. I want to be involved here. Let me ask you this. Do you treat the church... More like a hotel or a home? Anybody like to travel? Love to travel. Love staying in hotels for a short period of time. It's nice. You don't have to do anything. I don't have to clean up after myself. I don't have to cook. I don't have to wash dishes. I love it. Man, they just, everybody's taking care of me. But a hotel is not a home. And at some point, I'm always ready to get back home. See, if you treat the church that you're here, I don't know, I'm hesitate to even say, once a month, like sporadic, right? You treat the church more like a hotel when the church really is, is a home. I believe this with all of my heart. One of the most important things to me in my life is my family. It is, it is my wife, and it is my son Landon, and my son Malachi. But just as important to me is my church family. Now listen, I'm not going to sacrifice my home life just to be a pastor who feels like he has to do everything. I see that far too many times with ministers. they got to do everything and they get burnout. But my family and my church family don't have to be at odds with one another. In fact, they're to be together. And parents, it is up to you to instill within your kids the value of a local church. Not, we're just going to show up and be served and let everybody love on us. But no, this is the family of God. This is the people of God. And it's absolutely vital that you're a part of this. And when we send them off to college, we don't need to wait one month before they go off to college and say, okay, now you need to find a local church that you get involved in. No, it needs to be instilled with them. As a follower of Christ, your first priority is to find a place that you can plug in and love on the people of God. You say, Pastor, I feel disconnected. I don't, I don't feel like people are serving me and I don't know how to serve here. How do I do that? Listen to me. You will always feel disconnected until you are a part of a small group. Nothing will change. If you come to church for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday mornings, you will never be connected here at Northside. It'll never happen. You can be here 50 years. It'll never happen. It's not until you go beyond this hour and 15 minutes to say, hey, who can I invite out for coffee? Who can I pray for? Who can I talk with? Right? We're the family of God. We will spend forever together so why wait till then to spend time together? Let's do it now. Let's be prepared for all eternity by gathering together now. So God is our Father. We belong to the family of God. Tony Merida writes, To ignore this is to live as a son or daughter separated from my family. Look, you don't have to be an orphan. You can belong right here. Everybody in the world, man, they just want to belong. They want to fit in. 
And here God has said, I'm going to provide a church, Northside, right here on Highway 29, where people can come and they can belong and they can be brothers and sisters. They can preach and love Christ together. Be a part of that. If you're not a part of that, man, then confess that and make that a vital part of your life. And here's the last thing, God's temple. God's temple. A couple things we've got to touch on before we get to the metaphor. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So, right, Paul's saying it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles, right, New Testament, we're familiar with them. Prophets, most scholars believe is talking about New Testament prophets. Certainly we can go back to the Old Testament prophets. We stand upon them. Here's the point. What we stand upon is the Word of God. Build your life on the Scriptures. Build your life on this. God had entrusted his word to apostles and prophets who recorded his words and it's preserved his words so that you and I today can know the words of God. We're to be faithful to the scriptures. But then he continues, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. We build our lives on Christ. John MacArthur writes, the cornerstone was the support, the orienter, and the unifier of the entire building. The cornerstone was the support. It oriented. Everything was built off of the cornerstone, right? And it unified everything together. That's what we are to be. Christ is the cornerstone. We stand on Christ. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm the one who was laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Listen to 1 Peter 2. Verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the cornerstone we build upon Christ. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure. It says if he steps back and says, okay, we're talking about the whole building, the whole structure. But then he says this, being joined together. Being joined together. Peter and Paul are saying, you are a living stone. And as a living stone following Jesus, he takes you and he brings you into the building of God. So where he, where he takes these individual living stones and he builds you together. Hear me. Stones stay together or the whole building collapses. If you start taking out stones in a building, it, it's, it's going to be like Jenga. Eventually that building is going to collapse. If you keep taking these stones and all these things that we build and start pointing, eventually it's going to fall down. So we, together, are the building of God. And when we don't stay together and we become divided, it collapses. He continues, And whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You notice that word holy? We grow into a holy temple. 1 Corinthians 3.17, do you not know that you are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul's going to get to that in a moment. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. 1 Peter 1.16 says, you shall be holy for I am holy. Ephesians 1, 4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and blameless before Him. What did God save you for? What did He save you to? To a life of holiness. To a life of godliness. He has set you apart. And you are to live a holy 
life. Look what else he says. This is, this is important. We need to be reminded of this. And whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together. That, that, that Greek word, that verb, being built together is in the passive. Meaning God's doing the building, not us. Church, sometimes we forget that. We think the success of a church, we think the success of Northside is dependent upon my preaching or the music or your ability to lead. Listen, it is God who builds His temple, amen? It's God who builds His church. And our God is not done building His church. There are living stones in Noonan, surrounding areas, that aren't living yet, but can be living. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you as the living stone building your life upon the cornerstone who is Christ, is to go to them and is to tell them about Christ so that they ultimately can enter into the kingdom of God and have eternal life, but also so they can become part of a local church and grow in that faith. And so when God brings living stones, new people, into our congregation, into our gathering, it is not up to them to try to fit in. It is up to us to help them fit in. It is up to us to go to them and say, hey, this is what God wants to do in your life, and I want to help I want to help with that. I want to help encourage you. And then he says this, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The temple, the temple of Solomon, the Herodian temple, the temple they built after exile, right? The temple was the greatest visible symbol of the, of the fact that God dwelt in their midst. God dwelled in their midst and they knew it because of the Shekinah glory that was in the Holy of Holies. In Paul's day, you have the temple to Artemis in Ephesus. And you still have the Herodian temple, which had not yet been destroyed in Jerusalem. And in both of those places, the temple of Artemis and Herod's temple, they both were empty of the living God. Because the Shekinah glory no longer dwelt in a temple made by hands but notice what paul says in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for god by the spirit where does god dwell he dwells in here he dwells within me I've been sealed with the Spirit of God. I am indwelt by the Spirit of God. This is what God does. And so if I am indwelt by God and you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, then what that means is the presence of God is worldwide. God is doing something. God is up to something. And you, Paul says, are indwelt by the Spirit. So just a reminder... Because sometimes this is how we talk and live. The building is not the church. It is the people of God. And I have seen and I have been around people who like the sanctuary was the holy place. Because to them, the church was the building. And like to think that you would bring a drink in here or like a kid would run through here on that. It's like, oh my goodness, this is, we're, we're, we're defiling God's holy place. Like you couldn't change anything because this was, this was where God dwelt. No, God's not in a building. He's in a people. He's in the people of God. 
And now listen, you can, you can try to follow God in isolation if you want, but that, if you do, you're disobeying the New Testament, which is God's people are to come together, and we do life together. We serve together. So we are the temple of God. The Spirit of God indwells us. Tony Meredith writes, to ignore this is to live as a stone apart from a building. Look, I don't want to just be some living stone out there by myself. Man, I want to be part of a building. I want to be part of the family of God. I want to be involved in that. John MacArthur, as we wrap up, gives a great summary of chapter 2. He says this, Through the blood, the suffering flesh, the cross, and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, aliens become citizens, strangers become family, idolaters become the temple of the true God. The hopeless inherit the promises of God. Those without Christ become one in Christ. Those far off are brought near, and the godless are reconciled to God. Therein is the reconciliation of men to God and of men to men. All of that, all of that God has done. You go, you go from being dead in sin, enslaved to the things of the world, under the wrath of God, to now when you end, you're a citizen of His kingdom, of the household of God, and you are a holy temple that God is building. So as we close, let me close this way. What have we been saved to? For what? You are a citizen of God's kingdom. So live like it. Live like a citizen of God's kingdom under the rule and reign of Christ. You are members of God's household. So live like it. Live as brothers and sisters who just want to give your life to each other. Because this is what God has called us to do. And lastly, you are the temple of God. So live like it. It matters what you do with your body. It matters what you do with your mind. It matters where you set your heart, what you allow to enter into your eyes. All of that matters because you are indwelt by the very presence of God. And therefore, you should want the temple that God is building to be holy and set apart for Him. And all of this, all of this is by God's grace. This is not anything that you can do or manufacture. It only happens when we as God's people submit and, to sur and surrender to, to King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. God, there's a lot of people in Noonan, in Sharpsburg, surrounding areas that don't know Jesus. They don't. And when they come here, what will they find? Just a bunch of people going through the motions? Or will they find a people who belong to the kingdom of God, who belong to one another, and who are being built up as a temple of God? Will they find a place where Jesus Christ is ruler and supreme, and, and they'll find people, man, who just genuinely love one another? I pray that's what they'll find. And if you're not a part of that, then I want you to be a part of that. If you want to know how to be a part of that, you can just come talk to me. I'll share how you can be a part of what God is doing at Northside and beyond that. Let's pray. Father God, in, in just a moment, we're going to sing and we're going to be reminded, Lord, of, of, of nothing but the blood. All of this is, is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. All of this, God, is because of your grace and your mercy. The fact that you would save a, a wretch sinner like me. The fact that you would give me new life causing me to be born again. And God, not that I would have to figure this out on my own, but that you would, 
God, bring me in to make me a part of a church. A church, God, that I believe genuinely loves you. God, I believe Northside is a healthy church. I believe, God, we're a growing church, and, and we're wanting to love you more and be more submissive to you. Father, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people who are disconnected from the body for many different reasons. But Lord, if we want to be obedient, then we need to understand what we've been saved to, for what reason. And so Lord, help us just to respond today in light of something that we've heard. Lord, just to confess if we've fallen short. Lord, to be thankful, to be grateful, to, to respond with thanksgiving as we sing nothing but the blood. Lord, may we just praise your name for the work that you have done. And God, a work that you are not finished with yet. You're not done with me. So keep working in me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, let's worship together. Than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth Speaks righteousness for me It stands in my defense Jesus is your blood Your blood speaks a better word Than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth It speaks righteousness for me It stands in my defense Jesus is your blood. What can wash away our sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. It's nothing but the blood of cross testifies in grace tells of the father's heart to make a way for us now boldly we approach not by earthly confidence it's only by your blood and what can what
but your blood, nothing but your blood, King Jesus. And what can wash away our sins? What can make us whole again? There's nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can wash us pure as snow? Welcome as the friends of God. There's nothing but your blood. Nothing but your blood. Your cross testifies in grace. It tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence. It's only by your blood. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Right, you may be seated for just a moment. Uh, Trip is going to come up at this time. Come on, brother. No, I got to come up here with you. Just, just to remind, it is Past Appreciation Month. We've been going, you know, uh, in the Sunday school, we've been talking about and praying for all the staff. Um, we're still praying for Mr. Curtis. We'd love for him to be back. We're going to plan something more. A lot for him when he is able to join us back, but we do want to give you something. Knowing that Aaron loves musicals, we've given you a, a night to go to the Fox Theater here in a couple weeks. Dude, um, go awesome. Fill it on the roof. Nice. Get enjoy a night out. Fantastic. So Who's watching the kids? Let's go take care of Sweet. <laughs> nice. Just, just shoot your wife and come away. Awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you very so much. Can, thank you for your, your, your awesome. willingness to serve and lead us. Awesome. Very good. I do love musicals. We were just talking about that yesterday, too, by the way. Um, man, thank you all very, very much. I uh, feel like I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> I'm not choked up yet, but I am losing my voice. Uh, but, uh, man, we, just, we love you guys so much. This is, you are family. Uh, you are family. And uh, we, we love you, and it has been a joy uh, serving as your pastor, and I look forward to many, 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 many years uh, of continuing to do that. So, <clears throat> with, with what little voice I have left, uh, let me give you an update uh, before we close our service in prayer just on our associate pastor search process. Uh, the committee has been meeting. We've gone from phase one now into phase two. So, we've received the resumes and we've gone through those resumes. And so, now we've narrowed that pool down a little bit and, and have sent questions. Uh, to the, those who had applied that were still interested in trying to get to know people better. Um, and then so we'll just continue to move so we don't have a timeline. Uh, we'll keep you updated uh, in, in that process. But, but what I want you to know is how, how seriously we are taking this. Because you are family. We are family. And we are going to bring, according to God's will, somebody else into this family. 
And so we want to make sure it's a good fit for me, for you, for the church, and uh, got to hang out with our students uh, this past Sunday, and man, they are family. They are, they are sons and, and daughters, every single one of them. And so, uh, so just thank you for how you're continuing to pray. Continue to pray for us, and we'll continue to give you updates as we continue to move through that process. All right, Paul is the deacon of the week, so he's going to come. If you'll stand, uh, we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.